We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. We've got to first know our own roster before we start looking at, at other rosters, and we've got to be honest. The cap matters here, too. Um, so there may be some guys on this team that I want to keep that I can't keep them all. Um, you know, we now have paid Josh, and which is good because I know what his number is on the books for the upcoming years, and we can just build around it. The cap you know, went back last year, so we had to restructure some guys' contracts. I normally wouldn't like to do that, but we we had to do it. A lot of teams did it. If you look across the league, there were a lot more restructures just to get under the 182 number. This year is going back up to the 208, I think. Um, it's not going to be perfect for us, but it's going to be better. And, you know, we'll, we'll still have to make some moves, but... Um, I wouldn't see us being like big spenders or anything like that, but we'll definitely look to fill some 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 spots from the outside as well as retain some of our guys. Welcome everybody to another edition of the Rock Pile Report podcast. I am your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder Drew Gear. That's my producer Chris Krueger, and that was Brandon Bean from his end of season press conference talking about the state of the Buffalo Bills roster and the potential impact that the salary cap might have. On the makeup of 2022. I feel like I might have a chance at a job with the Bills doing production because I apologize for that audio. Nobody turned on his microphone during his press conference. That was just a prop that Bean had. Wait, what? How do you know this? Because I know audio. That's how I know. I watched his press conference today to get that audio and he started talking. I'm like, well, are they going to turn his mic on? Oh, so there's just no. A, there's just a microphone sitting in front of him that's not on. <laughs> it's just a, 
just a prop. I feel like I got a shot. We're going to call this production gate. I'm We're going to call this production gate. Bills, don't think we won't be in touch with the PR office about this tomorrow. I'm going to have to talk to Reed. I'm going to see if I can't get in that department. Full scale investigation. I want. I, we're going to Zabruder film this. Yeah, his mic wasn't on the entire time. Oh, that's hilarious. So, how was the audio picked up, do you think? Well, it's, there's other microphones working, just not the ones directly in front of Bean. So it so if you listen to that intro it it sounds like Bean is distant like he's far away. It's cuz there's no working microphone near his mouth. Do you think it's by design though? No. I don't know, just, but you know who's going to have to somebody's going to have to answer for this. I'm going to make this my mission of the summer. The Rockpile yeah. Report versus the Bills production staff. Why Let's go? Why wasn't his mic on? <laughs> we'll make signs and just drive around in slow circles outside the building. Why wasn't the mic on? <laughs> Stage a small protest. It'll be great. Ah, folks, the Buffalo Bills season is over. And, yeah, well, the season hasn't even really come to a conclusion yet. I mean, the Super Bowl is on Sunday. We're talking about a sport that rarely sleeps. And as such, we're just five weeks removed from the start of NFL free agency and just two and a half months from the NFL draft. So it's with that in mind that we've reached the point of the year where as fans, we start looking at the roster heading into next season and trying to figure out how the team should spend its assets in hopes that next season, it's us playing for a Lombardi and not some losers from some armpit city in Southern Ohio. Go Rams. But before we can really start digging into all of that, I think it's fairly important to have a grasp on where your team stands in relation to the draw in relation to your draft capital, in relation to your other assets, and more most importantly, where it stands in relation to the bane of every lazy fan's free agency dreams and offseason trade scenarios, the NFL salary cap. So that brings us to our 2022 Bill Salary Cap Primer. And every year, Hundreds of people tweet out inane wish lists of players that they'd like that they're that they want their favorite franchise to go out and obtain. Albert Hainsworth. Yeah, but every fan I saw a tweet the other day. Some woman, I I I, I hate for giving Chris. We do have to out. We have to say it, right? Yeah, you have to. This is honest radio. I think her name is Carly Zelinsky. I'm not trying to give you a hard time, but I see her tweet, which is getting a ton of traction amongst Bills fans. And she's like, my my wish list scenario, I know it's probably not likely, but Miles Garrett and also Khalil Mack is on there and also Ezekiel Elliott and also a bunch of, and you're just like, wait a minute, what the hell are you talking about? I want to punch myself in the face for reading that. Who's commenting on this? What's happening? And you want to look, but you're afraid to because you go, if I, if I go down, like I've seen enough over my 36 years to like lose faith in humanity. And I feel like if you go down too many of those rabbit holes, you really do start to think that everybody's just dumb, right? Yeah. Okay. So maybe this, that came off as more insulting than I wanted it to, but I'm not, I'm not trying to be. What I'm saying is that anyone who thinks these things and thinks that if I was a GM, I'd make this trade. I would move this guy, move this player to this position and blah, blah, blah. Somebody called WGR and asked why we didn't have Isaiah McKenzie playing cornerback to cover Tyreek Hill. That's a real thing that happened, people. I can't make this up. So these are all the things that these armchair GMs would enact if anybody would just come and yank them off the lazy boy and put them into the game. 
And every year, 95% of them are misguided at best. Because the people calling these thoughts into their local radio stations, posting about them on their favorite social media outlets, lack a firm grasp on not just where their team stands in relation to the salary cap, but how their salary cap situation stacks up against their competition. So in that way, I feel like it's always best before you even start talking about free agency, before you start talking about positions of draft need and what might be up. Because, Chris, free agency... Draft conversation before free agency is almost pointless, right? 100%. I mean, everyone was talking about drafting a wide receiver until we traded away a first-round pick for Stephon Diggs, and that pretty much yeah, you got your, settled that. Today. You got your needs that you want, and then within that is, okay, we're going to go after these needs in free agency, and then we're going to go after these needs in the draft. Yeah. And we won't know what that is until after free agency so when we sign on, a couple of guys. So focusing on draft stuff seems premature. And yet, at the same time, you can't have a free agency conversation without looking at the state of your roster and what its needs are. But even then, you don't really know what how to address that until you know what you have to work with. So it's always, in my opinion, worth taking an in-depth look at your team's cap situation and where you stack up. And as always, we bring back our resident cap salary cap guru, which is really just a nice way of saying giant nerd, Mr. Paul Wineski from Hashtag Sports. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Paul, how are we feeling tonight? You know, it's uh, it's always a fun time of year right now uh, when you get into the free agency and, you know, I, people hate this time like that. Yeah, especially because we're between, not in the goddamn Super Bowl. Sorry. Yeah, well, that's, Sorry. that's what I mean, right? It's, it's the time between. And nobody really ever likes it. This is the time where I get like, I get excited because you see all the front office moves. You see all the coaching moves and you could start talking about draft. And this is where, you know, a lot of analysts make their money, but they're all the analysts that nobody takes seriously. And uh, and that's why I'm here. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you I get mean, to use multiple calculators, even like ones with giant buttons, like the ones uh, that have those like are called the, adding machines. Chris. Yes, they're the, called adding the machines. ones that have like the giant buttons on it. Like in you know, Homer Simpson had the huge dial pad on his phone when he got fat. <laughs> Paul, probably, senior citizen phone. Yeah, pro, Paul yeah. probably has a calculator with those size buttons. No, he's got a, He uses that in tandem with his adding machine, and he also has his computer running. He, he oh, it's. It's ridiculous the way Paul looks at the science behind the science of football. I love it. It's why we always get we get together every year and do this. 
Yeah. I, I, I genuinely enjoy it. And for those of you who live under a rock, Paul is the co-host of Hashtag Sports. They do an amazing show. Chris, we've appeared on it a few times. Although Mario stopped asking us to go with him. I think the last time we went, I pulled out a flask and whiskeyed my coffee and it got caught on tape. And then they lost a follower because of us. He was like, you actually cost us following. A a follow. A follow. But it's hilarious. They have a great YouTube show. They have a great YouTube series. They do a lot of stuff from in their home now, but it used to be in the car. But even you guys driving around was one of the best parts. Yeah, we're back in the car, Drew. It's it's the off season, baby. We're back in the car. It's time to go. I got the snow tires off the Nissan. We are ready to go. They have it. Their shows are on YouTube. They have them in podcast format. Paul is also cover band frontman extraordinaire. He's actually incredibly talented in terms of singing. It's it's somewhat off putting if you ever see Paul in real life though, because he has like a size thirty waist. Like I didn't know that they made those for people outside of the grade like sixth or seventh grade. Yeah, that's a fact. Where do yeah. you buy your jeans? Uh, the clearance rack. There's always there's always size thirty <laughs> jeans right there. 30, 30, and you're like a yeah, 30, 30 and you're not sure. You're like a 30, 34. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah, saying. 30, like, 34. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't make giraffe sizes very often. That's why you get them on a clearance rack. <laughs> Folks, Paul is one of the smartest people that I've ever talked to when it comes to salary cap, which is why we do this every year. So to start this conversation off where I think you kind of have to, first of all, just what the cap number for 2022 is and the increase from 2021 to 2022. Where do we stand, Paul? And what can you tell us about how we got to this increase from where we were last year? So that's kind of weird, right? Because what ended up happening with the salary cap in 2022, and and mind you, right, the salary cap's always based off of uh, revenue, right? So if there's a new TV deal signed, it's always based off a percentage of the NFL's revenue, and it's 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 uh, part of the collective bargaining agreement. So uh, they actually stopped the cap from going up to what it should be. Um, the cap actually could probably be in, you know, right now it's at two hundred and eight point two million dollars. Cap could probably be in the two hundred and twenty million dollar area. That's where it probably should be. Uh, they actually stopped it from going up anymore, which is crazy to me. But that's what they did. Um, and the uh, you know, the exponential increase is just because of revenue. You know, when when covid happened, the league kind of had a knee jerk reaction to revenue. And they said, you know what, we're just going to do what we can to try and keep profits uh, flat. And, uh, you know, with this new TV deal, uh, it just skyrocketed revenue. As I said, it could actually go up more than the two hundred eight point two million dollars that it's at right now, which, again, is is bananas to think, because uh, think about it. Right. You uh, you sign um, Josh Allen to his contract extension. Right. If the salary cap keeps going up every 10, you know, 12, 15 million dollars every year, at some point, Josh Allen's effectively free. Right. Yeah. Like well, they the just increase. gave you his annual cap value. Right. Exactly. He's effectively free at some point. So but that's what it is that that salary cap is always based off of revenue and uh, it's supposed to fluctuate. But I think the NFL showed us all that uh, the cap is built only to go up. The cap is not built to stay flat or go down because we <laughs> saw just crazy attrition from a free agency standpoint. Teams just hemorrhaging money all over the place a couple off seasons ago. And I can't think of a better example than the Saints who Drew Brees rode in on his on his white horse and saved that organization this season. But that chicken's coming to roost 
Oh boy, is that chicken coming home to roost? Well, that's a good place to start the next phase of this conversation. Looking at just the NFL as a whole, because like I said, you, you know, we kind of opened the show talking about how you, you, in order to appreciate where your own team sits, you have to look at what's going on around you so that you can see the forest for the trees and you can see the trees within the forest. <laughs> when you talk about winners and losers, in terms of the 2022 salary cap, I can't think of a bigger one than the New Orleans Saints. Mm-mm. Nobody. I, first of all, you and I have been looking forward to celebrating this one for a long fucking time. Oh, my God. Oh, I feel so good. <laughs> We've I just feel so it. good in my bones. We've talked about it in group chats over the course of the last, what, Five, six five years? Five years. Five years. For as long as I've known you, we've been looking forward to the the demise of Mickey Loomis. And mm-hmm. I, so I was talking to our friends, and it sucks that we made some friends over there, Andrew Juge and the guys over at Saints <laughs> Happy Hour, just this past Monday afternoon. It, it's, it's like at a certain point, it almost feels like we're punching down laughing about these things. Not that I give a shit about that, but if you look over the last year, it has been raining shit. On the Saints franchise. Uh, they came into the last season over $100 million over the cap. Their longtime quarterback, their franchise savior, he rode off into the sunset and left them with dead money. <laughs> so he didn't help. They had to watch. So so just to get to the draft, they had to hemorrhage all kinds of talent. They had to cut, to, to your point, attrition of the roster was rampant. They had zero depth. Then they had to come in and watch not one or two, but four different quarterbacks start games for them. (laughs) Then they had to, because of the hemorrhaging of talent, they got ravaged by injuries and had nobodies. That Bills game, when we played them on Thanksgiving, Paul, didn't after a while it just felt like we were bullying them? Like it, it, it felt, yeah, it was. It was like, man, you know, I'm really proud of the Arena League. They are just holding their own. They're <laughs> doing the best they can, you know. It's, but I can't feel bad for an organization that just blindly disregards their future, you know, no. just over and over and over again. And that's it. They spent decade, the better part of the last decade, just mm-hmm. constantly kicking the can down the road, saying, listen, we're going to sign free agents. We're going to restructure contracts. We're going to trade guys, trade four guys. We're going to shuffle our roster and we're going to compete every single season forever. Eventually, the bill comes due for as much as you run from it. Mm-hmm. And it came due. And then the worst part is they, they lose all that talent. They still are in the wild card conversation late into the season, which is a credit to their coaching staff. And you say to yourself, okay, so every Saints fan out there is going, okay, maybe this isn't so bad. And then Sean Payton says, guess what, guys? <laughs> I've had enough of this. And he rides off into the sun. He, he mm-hmm. follows Drew Brees on out of town. Then, then, as if things aren't bad enough, uh, Chris, almost like in Dumb and Dumber, we got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off. Their star running back gets arrested for assault and battery at the Pro Bowl. Literally. Did you see that guy? Did you see the guy that got oh, beat up? The, the, it's horrific looking. It is horrific. Yeah. And they wasted no time in ident- not only identifying him as, as one of the aggressors, but also arresting him at the Pro Bowl. That's a problem. The NFL's not going to let that one fly. Like the, the, the Superdome caught fire at some point this year. <laughs> Everything that could have gone wrong did. 
And you'd think that that would be enough, right? Like, hey, Mickey Loomis, you played loose and fast with the salary cap, and now uh, the, the bill came due, and we, you're, you're all clear. They're still not out of this Shawshank Redemption-esque tunnel of shit that they got to crawl out of because of Mickey Loomis and his just cap shenanigans over the years. They're still $76 million over the cap again. Yep. And How think is, about this, Drew. They have There's, no talent. They don't have any no. talent to hemorrhage. No, they don't. They don't. And if you take a look at the money that that they're over, right, they're over $76 million. I think there's 12 teams uh, total over the cap. Uh, the If you add up the bottom 11 of those, it's $85 million over the cap. So you could take all the other teams minus the Packers that are also over the cap. They're over the cap like fi- almost $51 million. So the cap, the Packers are in no better shape. But if you take all the teams that are over the cap minus the Packers, that's $85 million. So effectively, the Saints own, at this point, what, 40%, 35% of the of the over-the-cap market across the entire NFL. Like, they are the reason that you're going to have uh, a monster free agency class. Them and the Packers. Because they can't afford to sign anybody. <laughs> Chris, how hilarious is that? Funny. It's, it's like Enron going down. Except, it's, except they're NFL franchises. If we look at winners, I've picked two, Paul, and I think that you might agree with me when you hear my philosophy. The first one is the Jacksonville Jaguars. $56 million in cap space for 2022. I'm declaring them a winner, mostly because last year, under the advisor of Trent Baalke and the just equally hilarious Urban Meyer, they spent a shitload of their 2021 cap space on nonsense. That still left them in the basement of the NFL for the second consecutive year. And it didn't help the rookie quarterback develop, but somehow they get a fucking mulligan in that they still have a boatload of cap space the next year after firing their head coach and bringing in a new one to try to get it right. How often does a team just absolutely blow a free agency period and then get a second crack at it the following year? Well, and the crazy thing about the Jags is they've got 12 picks coming in the upcoming yeah. draft. So it's crazy. Essentially, they've got like four like, six-round picks. It's almost like last year didn't happen. They're right. like, well, that, that, yeah, sure, that Urban Meyer thing, we wipe it off the books. We've still got a ton of money and a ton of draft capital. We'll be fine. It's like, yep. wait a minute. And, no one and gets on top that do-over. Well, and on top of that, right, they lost Travis Etienne before the season even started. So he's going to be coming back next season. So they're going to get their their two first-round picks. They, Trevor Trevor Lawrence will have a season in. Etienne will be there uh, and healthy, and he's a real dangerous weapon. So Jacksonville's not in as bad a shape as it looks, but that front office, man, is tough because, what, is that the fourth head coach that Falk <laughs> has had? Like, Jesus, <laughs> get your shit together, man. Like, is it really that bad an organization? Because it's not that they're not talented. They've got talent. But, I mean, it's it's just all over the place. Yeah. You know, they're, the talent, they're either 22 years old or 42. Like, <laughs> there's no middle ground. <laughs> no, and that's what happens when your owner basically treats this like a hobby and not something that he takes seriously. The other winner that I'll pick is the Bengals. They have over $56 million in cap space for 2022. Can you imagine going into the 2022 Super Bowl, knowing that your top five in cap space for the following season, even before it kick, even before kickoff? What a time to be alive. What a time to be a... Considering Cincinnati sucks is just a physical territory, like geographically, and the fact that they enjoy Skyline Chili kind of speaks to the fact that the local population was all born without a pallet 
without taste buds, um, without a sense of decency. I don't know. <laughs> this cap situation for them might be the best thing that ever happened to them as people. Well, I think their cap situation's a little inflated because they've only got like 36 guys on the roster, right? So mm-hmm. if you look at 2022, not a ton of players on the roster got 36, but they've got one hell of a nucleus, you know? Uh, like even Gronkowski was like, oh, I'd love to catch, catch passes from Joe Burrow. Yeah, I bet you would. Of course. your old ass would like to go catch passes from Joe Burrow. But they do only have like 36 players on the roster. I think they might actually be the lowest rostered team going into 2022. And they are. Yeah, that's they've got the least amount of returning players. Okay, so so that cap space number might be inflated a little bit. Right. But it's still not the worst place to be. I mean, we just got done talking about two teams that are going to be in a shitstorm next year and they have no money. Uh-huh. <laughs> this team can at least say, hey, we challenged for a Lombardi. Hopefully didn't win it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I just I hate Cincinnati. I hate can't I, do it. I can't do it. There's, skyline there's chili. No it's all there's skyline no... chili's fault. Is it really that bad? Chris, talk me off the ledge here. What's so bad about this skyline chili obsession? It's I've had it because I went to Cincinnati like five years ago for a work thing. And I was like, well, I'm going to be here. I got to have this. The Cincinnati chili that they talk about. And I asked the guy at that was doing the class that I was at, and he was like, yeah, you got to go to Skyline. All right, I go to Skyline. It's just meh. It's not even just meh. It's, it's, it's like ground beef from like Taco Bell, and then they add spaghetti on top, just the noodles. And then they put government cheese over the top of it. They grate it over the top. <laughs> That's oh. the cheese that doesn't really melt. It just yeah. kind of lays there. And then they go, wait a minute, yeah. guys. This is our culinary delicacy. Yeah. Just, this, wait, wait. This is a regional delicacy? You should all be fired into the sun for this. Like, a sinkhole should... I, I've said it. I actually got into a drunken argument outside of, in a bar outside of Columbus. With shocker. a bunch of people. Yeah, I know. Shocker. Over the fact that if Kentucky wasn't such a bunch of cowards, they would just annex Cincinnati because nobody would fight them for it. You know, nobody in Ohio thing. would fight them over it. I say the same thing about the Dakotas. That they are just, just you only need one. Just one should just annex the other. You only need one of the Dakotas. <laughs> exactly. That's it. Just well, one. And, and, the, and Cincinnati doesn't need to be a part of anything. They they could literally annex it and then turn it into a sink. Just turn it into a landfill. No one would notice. No one would notice. <laughs> it's it's an abomination. So with that in mind, though, so we've got some winners, we've got some losers. You look around the AFC and you go, okay, there's some teams that are still going to be competitive. And then you look at our own division, the AFC East, the Jets, 44 million in cap space, sixth in the NFL. When you look at the number of key free agents, because you brought up a good point, the number of departures really does matter. But when I look at the Jets, I don't think it does. (laughs) Does it? But they have no. seven. I, I, I counted seven and then I stopped because I just didn't give a shit anymore. They're interesting because they got a ton of cap space, but a roster that outside of a few spots has major holes and just a boatload of last year's contracts are about to come off the books. Some of them, like LaMarcus Joyner, are players who probably would be effective on an NFL roster anywhere but New Jersey. I, In terms of how afraid of that team you are, if you're the Buffalo Bills GM, it's not exactly threat level midnight there, huh? Oh, yeah. No, I'm I'm feeling comfy about those games, man. Uh, less, I think I I think this division goes to show you that the quarterback really is driving the AFC. Right. If you look at 
Uh, you know, the way the AFC is run, look at the quarterbacks within it and you say, okay, the teams that are dangerous are the teams with young, dangerous quarterbacks. And then you look at the NFC and it's the exact polar opposite. You need a, a far more balanced team in order to be competitive inside the NFC. So it, it's wild how all that happens. But Joe Douglas has just a mess on his hands. I, I just like the Corey Davis signing, the CJ Mosley signing, the Carl Lawson signings, George Fant, like you're spending money on stuff that you shouldn't be spending money on. And it's, it's, it's a lot of money and you're putting a young quarterback in there just to run around and, you know, pray (laughs) to God he doesn't get killed. You know, it's, I'm not worried about the jets, you know, they've got a long way to go. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people who might be afraid of the, of a team that holds the fourth and 10th overall pick. Nope. Not worried about them. <laughs> not not worried about that at all. No, and you almost can't be. Now, on the other side of things, you've got the Miami Dolphins, who literally almost made the winner's list, but there's one thing that holds them back in my mind, and that's the recent head coach hire. They've got more than $65, $64 million, almost 65 By the end of the season, when they make some cuts, they're going to be top in the NFL in cap space. They've only got three key free agents, if that's what we're talking about. <clears throat> but when I look at them, they're a team that's been based off of their identity was defensive success. And I just who knows what they were trying to do on offense. We never got to see it. They built arguably the worst offensive line in football in a year where their offensive lives depended on it. Spending high level draft capital to do so. Here's a statistic that'll shock you. The 2018 Bills offensive line was worth $12 million collective dollars. And they were as bad as you could expect. I mean, Russ Bodine was our center. <laughs> like, all of our players, Vlad Dukas, uh, Marshall Newhouse, guys that we, we literally just piecemealed our offensive line together, they were bad. The 2021 Miami offensive line had more draft picks and more UFA dollars involved in its construction but finished just less than three points better in pass protection grade and only four points better in run blocking. Fucking embarrassing! You're damn right it is. That's appalling. They don't know how to construct a roster at any point. And so now, you know, later in this week, we're going to be picking AFC's Roundup podcaster El Fartiaga's brain. Just about the the new coaching hire and the dy- the new dynamic he's going to try to usher in, but at the same time, it's, you can you can applaud the fact they said, "Hey, let's lean into this offensive kind of renaissance that's happening in football right now." They've inherited a shit show in terms of offensive talent, and their offensive line might be one of the worst situations in football. Do you know a team mm-hmm. that has less talent for the money they're paying? Uh, well, I mean, the Houston Texans, but okay, Maybe you know, I, okay, I, I think that's a layup, though. You yeah. know, I think I think that one's kind of a layup. And the Mike McDaniel hire is so strange to me because you look at a guy who was an offensive assistant under Gary Kubiak. He went back to Washington to work with Shanahan when Shanahan was in was in Washington. The Commanders, but what a stupid fucking name that is. <laughs> then, then he leaves Washington. He's a wide receiver coach for the Browns. Uh, he's a uh, he was he was ultimately a wide receiver coach for the Redskins. He goes to Atlanta to be like. 
I don't know what Miami's doing because he's kind of always stayed in that zone runs. Like have, coaches who are really great at the zone run scheme. Like he's just hidden in those systems. And that's why, like, you look at the Aaron Cromer hire and you're like, Buffalo hired Aaron Cromer because Aaron Cromer with Mike McDaniel would be really dangerous, right? Cromer loves those wide zone schemes. That's what exactly what Mike McDaniel's going to want to install is that wide zone scheme because you look at where he came from. He came from Kubiak, he came from Shanahan, and that's what they loved. But this guy literally is like the wish version of Adam Gase. Like he is just, he's done nothing, nothing. He's just, he's always been attached to coaches with really, really great concepts. And he's just kind of been there. Right. And it's just so, man, it's, you just wonder what's in the water down there, man. Like, what are you doing? So, so it'll be, I can't wait now hearing you say this. I can't wait to hear what Elf has to say about the head coach. And their decision to hire him. But also, we've watched this team fuck up free agency periods throughout their history. I mean, they're, 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 they are synonymous. They are the team that cannot figure out free agency. Every right. year they spend more money than anybody else. And every year they're mm-hmm. stuck looking, at, looking up at those teams that spent less than them from the bottom of the standings. It's... It's just, it's it's Miami. Chris, look, what do you want to call that? Like, is it a tradition for them at this point? Yeah, you can just use the, uh, I think Paul's a golf guy. You can just use Jim Nance. A tradition like no other, whatever he says for the <laughs> Masters. That's what you could use for the Dolphins. I literally, I literally gave a standing ovation when, when Miami signed Shaq Lawson. I was like, good. When I saw the money, I was like, oh, you got to be kidding yeah. me. No way. I know. Then that's exactly what we're looking for here. And then there's the Patriots. And this is where, like, we talk about how we're the pettiest podcast. This is where I, oh, hang on, let me, let me dust off my knuckles here for a second. It's almost as delicious to me as the Saints situation. This is fucking hilarious because you're talking about a GM coach in, in Bill Belichick who has always been frugal. He's always, we're going to draft, and we're going to do this, and we're going to make smart acquisitions, and we'll pick up, we're going to pick up veterans who just want to win at the tail end of their career, and we're going to build our teams around that. Well, guess what, Billy? It's harder to do that when you find out that you don't have a Hall of Fame quarterback, and instead you've got a rookie who might not be all that good. (laughs) So the Patriots are fresh off a 2021 season where they spent record money under Bill Belichick. And the results were a hilarious mess. Uh, Matt Judon disappears down the back half of the season. <laughs> just for the back half of the season, just disappeared. What, Chris? They're stuck for three more seasons with him at sixteen million per. Their first out doesn't come until twenty twenty three. Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith carry the second and fourth highest cap hits on the entire roster. They finished the last six weeks of the season with two touchdowns, 10 total first downs, and Smith had 35 total yards. Paul, how embarrassing is that for a free agency hall? Remember I mean, when everyone w- crowned them winners? Oh, oh, sure. Yeah, uh, of course they do. Because everybody said, you know, like the Mac Jones pick was, you know, this was a smart money draft pick. And it's like, I don't know about that. But I just I, I like the Mac- free agency. Everyone goes, oh, look, the, the Patriots just rebuilt their team in one year. The dynasty's back on because they spent their money and they blew their wad. And right. This is great. They brought right. in all these it's, super talents. 
But it's not 2006, yeah. you know, like it's not 2006. You're, you're trying to recreate a two tight end system that you, you have a quarterback that can't even get him the ball. You know, like I don't mind the Judon signing. I, I can't really shit on the Judon signing. I actually, I think Judon's a, a really talented player. But between Hunter Hendry, fucking Nelson Aguilar, God, he's, he's got a $15 million cap number. And Johnny Smith, you're spending forty. Nelson Aguilar costs $15 million. Do you yeah. know what Stefan Diggs costs? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Half that. <laughs> you know? oh. Like Diggs, Diggs cap number is Diggs's cap number is 17.9 because he, he did do a restructure. But so I, I mean, you're telling me that for like a minimal upgrade in, in salary cap dollar, I go from Nelson Aguilar <laughs> to Stefan Diggs. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yes. I'm going to do that. Yeah. I'm I would do that. I would do that. I would do that if this were a video game and I could just click a few buttons and make things happen. Sure. Right. Unfortunately, but this is he, real life, Bill. And you yeah. don't have that. You spent that money on Nelson Aguilar. And you're absolutely right. Between Hunter Henry, Nelson Aguilar, Jonu Smith, that's $45 million. And even if, <sighs> let's just play the fun game, $45 million, right? That's still $30 million more than the uh, over-the-cap the Saints have. So the, the Patriots could effectively sign another seven or eight players that the Saints physically just can't. And that's funny to me that the Patriots should just piss money away. They just <laughs> piss it away. Because it, it doesn't matter. Just well, piss it away. That's it. And so when you look at where they are, they're 23rd in the NFL as of today in salary cap. You want to – we're making fun of them right now. You want to continue doing that. And yet at the same time, when you look at where the bills sit, it's hard. Oh. All right. So you get to the Buffalo Bills. And I've got to say, on paper, the Bills might have the worst cap situation of any team in the AFC East. On paper. And they're here, here is the crux of this entire conversation. This is when we really get into it. Because we're 23rd in the NFL with negative $1.3 million in cap space. Uh, we have seven key free agents. A defensive line-heavy UFA group. Uh, Hughes, Addison, Butler, Obata, Phillips, and Zimmer. Wallace is out there. McKenzie's out there. Bakker's out there. I, we don't have a ton of big names who are really critical to the future of the team hitting the market. We It leaves us with holes to fill and what looks like no money, at least at first glance. But as we know about the salary cap and as Mickey Loomis taught us all... <laughs> <laughs> Things are rarely <laughs> what they appear to be. And so with that in mind, I want to get into the Bill-centric portion of this conversation. First of all, and it might be the f biggest question of the night, what are some of the ways that the Bills can create more cap space for themselves in 2022 ahead of the free agent market? I, I, I want to start with the idea of restructures. Now, the idea well, when the lay fan will say to you, oh, we'll just restructure a couple contracts and blah, blah. It, it, it gets to almost being like that. For, like there's always money in the banana stand. There's always, That's it. Love that. Love that. Lot, quote. There's a lot Love of that fans quote. that look at restructures, but don't really understand what they are because they're there's so many different types. Some of them are straight up reductions in pay. Some of them are extensions that shift cap dollars. Some of them are, hey, within your current contract, we're going to pay you more money now so that we owe you less, or we're going to shift money to the back end of your contract that you might never see. A am I explaining that appropriately? 
Yeah, absolutely true. Um, you know, and there's a couple of times where, you know, you can you can go back to the well with certain players a few times, like when the Bills restructured Tredavious White, you know, like that that made a ton of sense. Um, but there's some players that you're, you, you would be unwise to restructure, um, you know, like you'd be unwise to try and restructure Josh Allen's deal. Like you'd be unwise to try and restructure Deion Dawkins deal right now. You could do it, but you don't, you're not going to gain a ton of benefit from it. And it's just going to hurt you down the line. Yeah, no, for sure. You're laying the groundwork for a painful future. If you do some of these things. So when I look down the roster, now for all the people who get ballsy with various online calculators and the different tools that exist out there, there's all kinds of restructure scenarios. But like you said, Josh Allen, you do that now, it only frees up $2.4 million. <laughs> it it, mm-hmm. it, it right. won't do you It much doesn't do good. anything. Yeah, it doesn't help you. And at the same time, Trey White, we already restructured him. But mm-hmm. you could restructure him again and gain 6.7. But there again, what does that do for you long term? Mm-hmm. This is where you get into Mickey Loomis territory. This is sure like, is. Hey, I'm flirting, that's what happens. I'm flirting with an idea that seems like it's a good because six seven. That's a lot of money. That's a couple mm-hmm. pillars. That, based on the way Bean has operated recently, that's a couple players. But is that smart? <laughs> and, right. and and that's where you, the lay fan will look at this and go, "Well, we'll just restructure everybody available." I, I here's what I, I look at. And I want to go down the list and have you tell me which one seems like a long shot and which one seems reasonable. Stefan Diggs, a restructure will give you $5.7 million. Trey White gives you six seven. Deion Dawkins, a restructure will give you four point seven. Matt Milano can be had for four point three. And Darrell Williams can be had for three point three. <laughs> Are any of those reasonable? And what's your take on restructuring being a solid vehicle for the Buffalo Bills in 2022? You know, I don't because you can you could make the dollars move right for for a few of those players. The, the bills are in a weird position, right? Because normally you want to restructure those contracts that are really top heavy, right? Where you've got a lot of cap money right now. Um, the downside with that is that often you have to have years to push that stuff to. And, and with like Stefan Diggs and Tredavious White, you have that. With Josh Allen, you have that, right? But there's more opportunity um, to create space really more by letting players go than by restructuring. You can restructure, but there's a lot of value in walking away from some players, which is sort of a dynamic Buffalo's been able to avoid, right? How many players can you really name? Can you name me five players that Buffalo has knowledgeably walked away from their contract because they just didn't fit the team anymore within the last three seasons? <sighs> it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's, it's actually really tough to do. So yeah, no, you're, it, you're, you're right. It's it, there's probably less of an opportunity as far as restructure. Um, but if I had to name one of those guys, I mean, if, yeah, you're probably doing you're probably doing Trey, I guess. I mean, that's I six, mean, seven is tempting, but there post, you go. Post ACL surgery. Yeah, you're probably you do doing a Trey. Like, what uh, that's ah. what I mean. It's it's a dicey scenario. I really think they do a good job of leaving the contracts alone because they're structured the way they are when they're signed for a reason. And once you start getting into the restructures, you're compromising the reason you built the deal the way that you did. You know, I look at a player like Daryl Williams, just as a, as a picture, perfect example, Daryl Williams at his contract here is a $9.9 million cap number, right? Daryl Williams is a tackle in this league, not a guard, but guess who he's not a tackle for? The Buffalo Bills. Yep. Guess who he could be a tackle for? 31 other teams, right? So you could free up a lot of space 
with Daryl Williams, if you were just to move him, you're you're probably assuming you're going to draft some guards anyway. You're going to be pretty, probably, you know, go out and grab some guards in free agency. Uh, Ryan Bates played surprisingly well at guard um, for having been on the team as long as he has. You are going to get Ike Bucker back. So you probably have some more depth there than, than you know what to do with, um, admittedly. So maybe Daryl Williams is a guy that you deal. Maybe you walk away from Daryl Williams. You trade him because at that contract number, Daryl Williams could probably give you a lot of value because there's a lot of teams I'm sure that would really like a starting tackle. That's only going to cost him $7 million. No. And that's, well, that's exactly it. It's just, how do you want to approach this? Now to your point, you're better off walking away than you are trying to ruin these contracts because we know Bean, he's shrewd. Mm -hmm. He drew these things up for a reason, the way they were structured. I. So when you look at the out and out release of players or just not pursuing players who are out there to be had. Obviously, that same group of fans that I talked about earlier who don't know a lot. I've spent years listening to these people call into the radio station demanding the release of players like Marcel Darius and Starla Tule. Cut him because he's terrible. Despite the fact that doing so would actually cost our team money while also opening a roster hole. It's, I don't know. I think it's a practice that requires nuance, which is something that we have, we here on this podcast have just enough of that people listen to us on, on a weekly basis. <laughs> when I think about some of, some of who, the players that we could walk away from and gain some cap relief, the big name. The one that everyone talks about. Ah, oh, he doesn't do enough. He's not this. He's not that. He doesn't justify his existence. Star Lutulule. Now, are you a star fan or no? Uh, I'm an Ed Oliver fan. So, uh, Ed, Ed was historically better, in my opinion. Uh, Ed was historically better with, uh, with Star. But, I mean, if we're talking apples to apples i think stars replaceable they make fat guys every year man <laughs> they make, make fat, fat guys, guys every year <laughs> that might be one of my I, chris i'm gonna have you come back and isolate that and we're gonna use that as a drop i don't even know for <laughs> what i don't even know for <laughs> what or when because well, like, i know what it's gonna come around draft time but also i'm just gonna sprinkle it into everyday conversation you know, yeah. Yeah. listen, they make fat guys all the time. <laughs> yeah. No shortage of fat guys. Um, uh. but, but, you know, it's star is in a scenario where, you know, if you're going to cut him, you have to post June 1st, cut him, which means you're going to save money this year. But Star's still going to be on your books in 2023. So, you know, that's the risk reward with cutting a player like star. You're going to get immediate relief. Yeah. You're going to free up some space this year just out of spite. And but you're going to be paying for him next year. If you cut him, you're only losing... It costs you 1.5. 1.5 if you were to cut him. Mm-hmm. So, I, I th- that seems like low-hanging fruit. But it doesn't mm-hmm. get you a ton in the way of actual relief. Mm-hmm. So now, I'm, I, I dug a little bit deeper. And this is one that I, I know that you would agree with me on. Simply because... <laughs> I think we see football the same way. You've got a Buffalo Bills team that plays a hefty, if I want more than 70% of its snaps on a nickel defense. 
AJ Klein. Yes. Strong side. Yes. He is one of the sneaky. I haven't seen his name anywhere. And yet he is the more probably number one with a bullet on my cut list. Mm -hmm. He played 25% of our defensive snaps last year. He has no sacks to show for it. A few passes defended, a few nice tackles, a handful of tackles for a loss. He didn't replicate what he did down the stretch in 2020. So he's just not that dynamic of a player. And releasing a Sam linebacker that you rarely use nets you $5.1 million in cap space. That gets you above. That one cut gets you above your rookie draft pool number. Mm-hmm. That's, a, yep. that's a great place to be, right? Mm-hmm. That one's yeah, a slam dunk no-brainer. Yeah, and and I'm with you there because if you look at the rest of that linebacker room, right, it's Terrell Dotson who's been hanging around now for what feels like forever. Tyler McKavich, who you got break glass in case of emergency. Matt Milano and Andre Smith. That's the end of your linebacker list. That's it, right? So there's with without AJ Klein, that's a thin position as it is, but. I think AJ Klein is a release that you see probably closer to the start of free agency if the Bills are able to nab somebody that they want. Um, but no, I, I'm 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 a huge proponent of it's time to move on. You know, like AJ Klein. There were a couple games last year where you know you're going against really run heavy teams and you're thinking it's the AJ Klein show. And I think we had one one AJ Klein game this season where I was like, man, I'm shocked by what I saw, and it was a, it was a mirage. Yeah, it was just an absolute mirage. It's just it's he's not on the field often enough to justify that kind right. of cap expenditure. Right. John Feliciano's next on my list. Okay, injury and a lack of bulk took a toll on his playing time in 2021, and he was relegated to backup duty. Bates emerged. Dawkins, uh, Dawkins being manning the tackle, Morse manning the center, Bates at left guard. And then they started Spencer Brown, and they kicked uh, Darrell Williams inside. And it turns out that the coaching staff doesn't believe that Feliciano's an upgrade over either Bates or uh, Darrell Williams. So where does that leave him? I mean, you're literally talking about this guy who you could go get. uh, Tommy Sweeney, he's a guy you drafted to eventually be a swing interior lineman. I mean, he, so the couple snaps that he saw at tackle are don't I, I I'm sorry, but I don't believe that. I don't believe that that's actually what they want from this kid. I can't imagine that they see him as an NFL tackle. His yeah. very first rep, he gave up a sack of Josh Allen, and Josh right. Allen came over to the sideline, pointing, going, "What the fuck am I supposed to do with that?" Right. Saw, and, they and, made the mistake that's of broadcasting that on TV. It was mm-hmm. hilarious. And you're absolutely right. But I think it's important to call out why Feliciano ended up in Buffalo. So the timing of that is when Bobby Johnson came in, right? Because you had a new offensive line coach. It's not really uncommon for an offensive line coach to bring one guy with him who is in the system, who understands the language. And that was John Feliciano. Feliciano was not necessarily brought in to start. He was brought in to say, listen, this is how the scheme works. This is how he communicates. This is the expectation. This is the example that he sets. This is what he does. And now that you have OG Bobby Johnson gone, I'd expect Feliciano kind of to go that way too. Um, And it's another instance where, like, you look at Aaron Cromer coming in. There's a kid uh, by the name of Austin Blythe. Uh, He was the starting center for uh, the Rams in 2020, and he was starting guard for them from 2017 to 2019. 
Um, you might see he's a free agent. He, he was a backup center for Kansas City this last season. That's a player you might see come in because, again, he worked with Cromer, can understand the language, can understand the culture. So I think Feliciano is probably his time in Buffalo is up. Uh, he was really brought in to help build that culture across the offensive line with the offensive line coach. But now that Bobby Johnson's gone, Feliciano probably carries little value there. Um, well, you probably look to, to replace that. You lose him and you earn $3.5 million. Sure do. Cole Beasley's the toughest one on this list because he's a, he's a competitor, right? Mm. And he's one of Josh's favorite targets and a player who he's reliable in what he does, which is he's at 32 years old. He's developed a, a nuanced understanding of zone coverages, and he just knows how to. Hey, I can get behind a linebacker. I can. I know who's. I know who I can get off the shoulder of. And give Josh like a, hey, here's where I'm going. Throw it to me here. I can catch it and I'll go down. He's not generating yards after the catch. He's not great in the red zone. He's not. There's not a ton that he does superfluously, which is a fucking SAT word. That's a great. That's a great word to drop four beers in, Drew. Hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That's why. That's why the Rock Pile Report is. It's a drinking man's podcast. Is even f- well four beers and a glass of whiskey in. I still know what I'm talking about to a certain degree. <laughs> I, I can use SAT words. He does all these nice things, but also you saw the downswing already this season in terms of his statistical ceiling. Now last year he was having a career year. He came back this year and wasn't quite himself. Now. Is some of that residual injury just happened late in the season and he wasn't 100%? Maybe. But also, wide receiver outside of his prime years, who was never really a physical specimen to begin with, who's now taken a lot of punishment over the last couple of years because we've used the hell out of him. I don't know. I mean, losing Cole Beasley frees up $6.1 million. Is that a cut that you're willing to make if you're the Bills GM? Yeah, I I think I think you're probably looking at a replacement level player there, right? Because well, think you about saw a Gabe slot Davis play come out of college. Think about yeah. these these receivers coming out of college and what you see from them in terms of mm-hmm. I, I think twenty years ago, you would look at football, maybe even 10, 15 years ago. You'd look at college football and go, Okay, if you're not the boundary wide receivers, you're gonna struggle to acclimate to the NFL. Because Mm -hmm. the safeties are physical, the cornerbacks are physical, linebackers are physical. Well, now with all these spread concepts that have been kind of matriculated through the NCAA and up into the NFL, little guys who can, (laughs) with speed and shiftiness, you see them every season who get drafted Mm -hmm. in the middle rounds who pop. Yeah. And Buffalo is absolutely in on expanding that wide receiver room because they need to be, right? The NFL, this offense is built on speed. Yes, you have Ken Dorsey taking over the offense, which I think probably makes Cole Beasley a bit expendable um, because you're going to be installing a new concept anyway. So having that incumbent isn't all that valuable, right? Because you're probably looking, if you're going to start over somewhere in the wide receiver room, that's the only place you're starting over because you're not getting rid of digs. Gabe Davis played his fucking ass off. And if you're going to start somewhere, that's probably where you're going to start is at that slot receiver position. And you're right. Uh, there's a lot of guys in college that can kind of fit that mold. And, you know, this team is absent a kick returner. They're 
aggressively absent a kick returner. They clearly didn't trust Marquez Stevenson because they had Micah Hyde back there just grabbing onto anything he could hold when you know it came to punts. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie seen a snap count drop the last two seasons, so I can't imagine that he's coming back. Like they still don't feel like they have a kick returner, and I think that's probably where you see them go in the draft is again just keep pulling straws at kick returners because if Cooper Cup has shown you anything, it's that somebody that's dangerous in space is dangerous on your offense. It doesn't matter how you get in the football. And, you know, a player like Cooper Cup kind of changes the dynamic of how smart GMs like Brandon Bean approach the draft because there was a guy, tons of value, right? Everybody just saw him as a kick returner and he proved everybody wrong. And you can get those guys at near a nothing cost. No, and that's and that's the thing that I, I it hurts me to say because Cole Beasley really has endeared himself to Bills fans. He's yeah. really endeared himself to our quarterback. He's been an integral part of this revamped offensive approach. But you could get better for less money. Yeah. And that's what this entire exercise is about. Is figuring out where you can get money from because we're a team that's on we're over the cap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're over the yeah. cap. So when we think about that, and we now we've talked about all the avenues you could get it. What is the team's ceiling in terms of possible cap space that you think they can clear? I mean, in the past, Bean has opted to hold on to some questionable cap values. I don't think that's going to be the case this season. So what do you think a reasonable figure fans can expect to push things to might be? Okay, so I think it's, you mentioned this earlier, I think it's an important thing to call out because everybody just kind of flies right by it. Their draft picks alone are $3.2 million, and that's not figured into where they are, right? Um, so subtracting the fact that they still have $3.2 million to spend just on the picks that they have, um, you know, I think you end up getting creative. I think the bills are going to clear probably, I think they'll probably walk in to free agency in like the $14 million range, um, which isn't a ton, but I don't think they're going to be big dog hunting, Right. They're going to want players to come to them. They're not just going to go hunting. Um, with that being said, I think probably the biggest area where you're going to generate money, and I can't wait to see your face, Drew, let's let's not forget Tremaine Edmonds is on his fifth-year option in 2022, which means his, ca- his contract is all base sal- salary. It's $12.7 million. So if there was ever going to be a deal that you restructure, it's probably that one. Right. Because it's all base salary. It's all guaranteed. So you can just go ahead and pump that in and take give them one million dollars as a as a signing or give them one million dollars a base salary, give them eleven million dollars a signing bonus. You could just spread that out if you're going to give them a contract extension because Tremaine Edmonds and I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth. Tremaine Edmonds is a hundred million dollar linebacker in today's NFL. If Fred Warner taught you that, if TJ Watt taught you that. You're telling me that a 24-year-old guy entering his second deal isn't a $100 million linebacker? I don't know what to tell you because he's easily an eight-year easily an eight year deal. He's easily a $100 million player, and that deal you could easily structure where he's only going to cost you like $4 million the first year because you could just put in roster bonuses. That's what, that's what the Chiefs did. With Mahomes' deal, they just put in a bunch of roster bonuses because it counts as salary and doesn't count against the cap. And you can just turn those roster bonuses and signing bonuses and you keep spreading the money out thinner and thinner and thinner. You know, like I, Tremaine Edmonds is a $100 million linebacker in, in tomorrow's NFL. And what did you just you say? 
I just, I'm, this is all just like Chris, I, you see the, you, you said you couldn't wait to see my face. I'm literally standing here rubbing my head. Oh, that's Drew. That's not even the thing that I wanted to mention. That's not even the item that I wanted oh to talk to you God. about. Oh, my God. When you said, before we started recording, he messaged me and said, I can't wait to get weird on your podcast. And I was like, all right, I'm waiting for it. I thought this was it. No, I thought no, you were talking it. about extending Tremaine it. Edmonds just yeah. so we could pay him peanuts this year. I thought mm-hmm. that was getting weird. All right. No. Well, now you've you you've opened up a worm. I feel like this is Hellraiser. I feel like you've opened up a portal to someplace I don't want to go, but yet I'm morbidly curious as to where the bottom of this black hole is. What right. else do you have? So my theory here is that Buffalo is going to go one of two directions. It is either they're going to look at trying to uh, move out of as many picks as they have, right? Move up and be real aggressive and take as few players as possible. Or you might see them just kind of skate out of the draft a little bit, right? Take a look at some of your higher picks. You keep your ones, but maybe you move out of your two and your three and you kind of move those to later years. And the reason that you do that is one, you've got a pretty young nucleus of players, but two, you just lost an absolute shit ton of organizational pieces to other organizations. And those pieces know exactly who you're interested in 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 the draft. Right, you just lost your Ooh. assistant GM. He knows your top. He knows Ooh. your top four rounds in the draft. He even board. said that he was yeah, like, "Oh no, exactly. I know the Buffalo Bills draft board." So absolutely right. You lo- you lost Shown. You lose Dable, and then as you start peeling away these other these other coaches and these other front office folks that are just going to end up in different organizations, you're, you're unfortunately your stuff is public knowledge. Like your draft board is pretty public knowledge. So you either need to be real aggressive to get to players that those guys don't think you can get to and get to them first. Or Damn. you just you have to kind of move around a little bit and be sneaky about what you do with the knowledge that they already have, because these guys are not idiots. These guys that left for other organizations, they know exactly the bullets that are in the gun. And you need to figure out what chamber you're going to pull, because if if you if if Buffalo mortgaged this draft to go up and get two players, three players and be done, that that wouldn't shock me because their pub, their draft, their draft information is public knowledge in NFL circles. Everybody knows who they're inter- who's their who they're interested in. Everybody, because their coordinators interviewed with with a ton of teams, you know. And you're losing staff left, right, and center. So this is what happens, you know. Um, so I, I wouldn't be shocked if Buffalo either mortgages the house to go up or mortgages the house to get out because standing pat is dangerous. You're sitting duck because everybody knows your boards. So. When I look at the number, first of all, you've just blown my fucking mind. When I brought you on this podcast and you said you wanted to be weird, I was like, oh, let's have it. You scared the shit out of me, sir. (laughs) First of all, the Trey Edmonds extension, that one seems plausible. But now when I think about what, like you said, you've got a team that has picks before every single one of ours that Mm -hmm. knows what we want, that knows Mm -hmm. what we're targeting. Right. And then who knows what they've said to whoever they've interviewed with. Mm Mm-hmm. Ah, it's just bad. It's just bad for us. And also, does your rookie draft pool have to be as deep? Maybe not. You're right. We could just leverage this whole thing and say, listen, we'll punt some to next year. We'll take some. We'll take a, a couple higher this year at the expense of some later round picks. I don't know. I mean, I, I see some value to drafting in the third and fourth round. I mean, we don't get a Spencer Brown if you don't have a fourth round pick. Right, but do you need them? Look and at look at the it. players that you have coming and that's back. It. You know, right you, now you have yeah. an offensive line. Yeah, yeah. You have, I mean, you're gonna have to you're gonna put Ryan Bates on a restricted offer. Like Ryan Bates is a free agent. He's a restricted. What's free that gonna agent, cost? So, 
first round tenders, 2.5 mil. You do that all day. Okay. You do that all day long. Okay. Yeah, that's that an day. easy one. So you're yeah. going to do some other things. Now, if I was being, again, we talk about the armchair GMs. If I was being hyper aggressive, the ceiling that I've found for the Bills is about $37 million in cap space. But mm. I would open up an egregious number of holes. Like cut everybody. I would restructure <laughs> everything. I would be going, yeah. it'd be Mickey Loomis on steroids. Right. What do you think is a reasonable number? Uh, you know, I'm going to stick with with right around 14 million. Okay, I, I think that 14 million is is probably the closest thing that you're going to get. They might come in at 12. Again, it depends on if they stru- restructure Tremaine and extend. Honestly, I still don't think Daryl Williams is long for this roster. He's more valuable off your roster than on your roster because teams will pay a, a fortune to get a tackle at seven million dollars a season. You know, like it's all right. It, you know, no, no, that, I I see that. So then, when you think about that, and only 14 million, if that's what you're planning on do you, what do you expect to see in terms of the bills approach to free agency this offseason because here's what i saw last year bean has never been like a big spender he doesn't go out and make the big splash deal mm-hmm. he's savvy but that doesn't mean that he won't be aggressive he just picks his picks his spots picks his values and shoots his shot where he thinks he can win so when you think about what happened last year free agency opens up on i think it was the 14th i think it was march 14th last year on the 16th, two days after the period begins, we signed Matt, ha- Matt Hack. Matt Hack. So, Matt Hack. There we go. Matt Hack comes in here. He's our punter. We sign him two days after free agency starts. On March 18th, four days after free agency starts. The Bills sign Emmanuel Sanders to a one-year deal worth less than $5 million. He goes on to play 62% of our snaps. On the same day, they ink Levi Wallace to a one-year deal worth less than $2 million. 92% of snaps. Now, all of these players have tested the free agency waters at this point. <laughs> then, on the 21st, you're now a week removed from free agency. Mitch Trubisky, the best backup quarterback in the AFC... Signs a one-year deal less worth less than $3 million to sign with the Buffalo Bills. And on March 23rd, the Bills sign Isaiah McKenzie to a one-year deal worth less than $2 million. He goes on to play 22% of the snaps, but he's come through for us over the course of the season. Then on the 24th, you're talking a week in change. F.A. Obata. And everyone goes, oh, it's a throwaway signing. It's only $1.5 million. He makes the roster, and I'd argue he made his presence felt on and off throughout the season. He was a he was a valuable depth piece to this team. That's There's a lot of activity. <laughs> For a team that didn't have a ton of cap space to work with, they just picked their shots. They, let, they kind of let the market set itself and then went to players who maybe ended up on the wrong side of it and said, hey, come play for us. We might win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like right. that was enough to seal the deal. Right. And now, after what everyone just witnessed the Buffalo Bills accomplish in this postseason, who isn't signing up for that? Right. Yeah, and and that's it. that's exactly it. I think the best course of action for Bean is to let the market come to you, right? If you don't have a lot of cash, then you need you need players who are invested, 
right? You have you need players who desire to play for you. And in the AFC, it's tough, right? Because you've got Herbert, you've got Burrow. Uh, you know, you some people may want to, for some fucking reason, play with Mac Jones in New England. The fact of the matter is, in, in the AFC, there's a lot of teams that have what the Bills can offer you and might be able to offer you a little bit more money. But, you know, if you're looking at the players that are walking away, um, and what Buffalo will do in free agency, it's going to be a lot of those one and two year deals again. You know, it's and and that's okay if, if they've got their core nucleus of players. They've got Edmonds, they've got Allen, they've got Trey, they've got Diggs, they've got Dawkins. Uh, they are happy to just sit there and let and let players come to them. The one thing that I would like to see them do a little more um, is when you know there's that player out there who you know gets cut by another team. Uh, Odell Beckham is is probably a poor example, but it does highlight kind of the dynamic. Steve Nelson might Steve be Nelson's the best a great one. dynamic. Yeah, you you watched a guy at a position of need get cut. Yep, and we all sat, sat here there. and said, "Listen, CB two yep. is a huge like question mark on this team because mm-hmm. you obviously weren't in love with Levi Wallace if you let him test the market, right? So why wouldn't you chase this guy? And then right. you see him sign for a one year four million dollars. It doesn't. It doesn't. In, in Philadelphia, off. and you go. Yeah. Wait a minute. What? Yeah, exactly. He would have taken less money to come to Buffalo. Yeah, like yeah. You didn't try. And that's the stuff that I'd love to see Bean do more of. And I hope that this season taught him that looking at the teams that made it deep into the playoffs, those teams did what you didn't do. They found really highly talented players who were willing to come to you for not a shit ton of money. And yes, it was a one year deal, but oh well. Oh, well, do you think the Rams are worried about Odell right now? Nope. They don't give a fuck what happens to him next year. They've got too too much other stuff on their mind. That's it. You worry about 2022 and 2022. And, and, you know, the Bills have done a great job of being consistent with the messaging, but you have to put your foot on the gas pedal sometimes. In the last two seasons, they haven't really done that. I love Emmanuel Sanders. I do. But Emmanuel Sanders, if like he became available in week six, I'd be like, the Bills are trying to build a winner. You sign Emmanuel Sanders in free agency. That's great. I, I love the signing. But when week six, week seven comes and there's players that are starting to become available and the Bills are just sitting on their hands, it's frustrating because you see other teams that made it further than you do not what you did. They were aggressive with really talented players. And, uh, you know, Buffalo likes to keep it close to the best with cap. They always like to have just a little bit of space. And sometimes, you know, closest to the pin doesn't get you in, you know, no, and no, that's. that's- you guys use golf references. The game of golf sucks. <laughs> and I hate anybody who can play it well. I really do. I guess this is where my final thought of the night. I'm sitting here and we're talking about all this. I mean, obviously a lot of these signings are going to hinge on the idea that Josh Allen and a Super Bowl contender squad. That can kind of that gives you a certain amount of leverage against your cap space because there's certain deals that you might be able to make that you couldn't otherwise. Right. Guys who would sign for less because they feel like, hey, I can go make a difference on that team and get some hardware because that's what's important to me as a veteran player. That might matter, but there's something to be said for because there's something to be said for guys like Sanders. Signing here at less than market value to try to win a title. And then when they asked him this offseason saying, listen, you've you've talked openly about your desire to retire. What are you going to do? And he says, listen, if I decide to keep playing, there's no place I want to be but Buffalo. 
that has to resonate, doesn't it? And there's certain nuances of what Buffalo is that might defy what capology tells you is possible, correct? Yeah. And I think you look at the players who have that chip on their shoulder where, you know, where they came from, they might not have gotten what they call a fair shake. Right. And Buffalo's kind of done a great job over the years of finding those little pockets of players that they've had when, you know, a new position coach comes in and you get John Feliciano, right? Like we were all really excited about when Feliciano ended up starting because the guy was a mauler. It was fun to watch, right? And then you find all these fun little pockets play. Levi Wallace. Levi Wallace came because Brian Dable came from Alabama. He said, listen, this corner, he's undrafted. The kid's good. Like bring him in, right? Bring him in. You could, that's how you got Robert Foster. That looked like a splash. But that only really happens when you're bringing in new position coaches. And Buffalo for the last few years hasn't really had to do that. But you're going to get an injection of guys that you've probably never heard of before as you start to bring in more position coaches. And, and you know, that coaching staff starts cycling a little bit. You're going to see guys who maybe you're not super familiar with make a big impact at probably league minimum deals because they're going to be the guy that wasn't given the opportunity the last time they were at. And that position coach says, no, 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 I know this kid has it in him. The, the, the head coach there didn't believe me, but we're going to get him here and I, I'm going to give him a chance. See, and that's a favorable position to be in when you take a look and you realize that more than half of the league has less than $21 million in cap space right mm -hmm. now. Yep. We're not in unfavorable territory. And when you look at the pieces we already have here, it's hard not to be excited about where the Buffalo Bills are. Paul, I love that you give us your time and you take them out of your life to do this stuff with us. Tell the people where they can find you on social media now. <laughs> to, to explain the mishap with the hashtag oh God. so handle. mario mario got into a twitter war with some patriot fans and made a comment about i was going to murder somebody's bloodline in jest so that got don't do that by the yeah. way because shout that out got to everybody who uses twitter if you threaten genocide of an entire familial <laughs> line they yeah. will deplatform you yeah they will <laughs> suspend you yeah your account i will get somehow suspended. know that and i'm an idiot yeah yeah, absolutely happened. Absolutely happened. Uh, so you can find us at hashtag 2.0. It's stupid. He didn't ask me. He just <laughs> did it. It's hashtag the number two point is spelled out and then the number zero. Uh, all 47 of our followers will be really happy you joined uh, since we had to rebrand. So thanks a lot for that, Mario. Uh, of course, you can find us on hashtag uh, at uh, hashtag sports on YouTube and on Facebook. And what do you have coming up for the off-season program? over there on hashtag sports so uh first off we have a patreon so uh our patreons get all our episodes early we actually are now that we're in the car we film two weeks at a time so when uh you're a member of patreon you get all our episodes all ahead of time so like we've got a whole uh, hopper full of episodes that are still going to be released over the course of the next couple of weeks uh we'll do live streams you know over the course of the, of the off season but for the most part we're in the car smashing donuts drinking coffee and laughing like idiots um, and, uh, you know, it's a lot of this, it's a lot of talking about, you know, football from a, as removed a perspective as possible. It's really hard to be objective about bills, man. Like it is tough. Drew, Chris, I think you guys do a great job of, of trying to walk that line between objective fan and drunk belligerent fan. <laughs> um, and I, I think, I think you guys do a really good job of that. Uh, being a drunk belligerent fan in a 
2019 Nissan uh, Murano is is a challenge when you're on the road. Um, so we do we do the best we kind of try and be that objective fan and, and just not not get too mad about it. But, uh, you know, we're really proud of the community that we have at Hashtag Sports. People that follow it are, are awesome. Paul Wineski, he's a part of Hashtag Sports. They got a new Twitter handle because they got in trouble. Yeah. Uh, imagine we haven't gotten in trouble and had to find a new Twitter handle after all the stuff I've done. And yet somehow Paul and Mario. <laughs> somehow Paul and Mario ran afoul of Twitter, Twitter rules and had to make a new account. Yep. How crazy is that? At hash, at hashtag the number two point the number zero. Hash two point oh. Guys, go give them a follow. They've got a ton of great offseason content lined up for you guys. And I Chris, those conversations, these are this is the stuff that I think that we do best, right? We're not gonna sit here and put on a film. We don't do a lot of things well. No, we don't. Uh we don't dress well. Well You don't. <laughs> You wear Chelsea boots that you have a pair of Chelsea boots that look exactly like a pair that my wife owns. You don't even get to dispute that. Yeah, you still think boot cut jeans are in style. Boot cut jeans will always be in style. Not even in style. They're just comfortable. They're just comfortable because unlike you, I wear actual boots. I wear sandals. I wear boots or no, you should not wear sandals. I don't wear sneakers. I think sneakers are for children. I wear boots. If you guys want or I wear nothing. If you guys want a, a little insight on what Drew's feet look like, oh, it's just Shrek. Pic- it's- just picture his mouth on his feet. Yeah, Ryan Lacell from Rock Sports Network. Uh, he gives me a hard time about that. He's like, Jesus Christ. He goes, you have balls just walking around with those things just in the in the daylight for everybody to see. I wouldn't wear sandals unless I was at a beach and I don't like sand, so Yeah. My feet are downright Shrekian. But uh no, we don't do a lot of things well. We're we're not classy. I'm never gonna put on a film room clinic. We aren't the smart people telling you what to think. Instead, I just like opening up conversations and letting you guys draw your own conclusions based on what we're talking about. I think that we've accomplished that tonight. I feel pretty good about it. What about you? I yeah. think we did our job here tonight, didn't we? Yeah, we uh, punched some numbers, used a calculator, talked to somebody with large ears. Yeah, no, I think that about sums it up. We covered it all. So in that way, folks, thanks for joining us. We've got a whole off-season of programming coming up around the bend for you. But for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. That's Paul Wineski. And this has been your Rock Power Report. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.